0: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. Now then, for the first time, we'll have all four Irish provinces playing knockout European rugby after the Six Nations this season. Leinster, winners away to Wasps, will host Ulster, uh, who themselves came from 13-0 down to win 14-13 at Welford Road. That Leinster-Ulster game presumably at the Viva Stadium. And then Munster will travel to Edinburgh. They were nine points to seven winners against Exeter on Saturday. There is an old French affair as well. Toulouse away to Racing, and then Saracens will host Glasgow. And Connacht, for their part, will be away to sail in the Challenge Cup. We have Eddie O'Sullivan with us and Rory O'Connor from the Irish Independent as well. Rory in studio, hello. Hi, Joe. And you're there, Eddie. I think we're going to have you in full Technicolor.
1: Yeah. Oh, scary, smart.
0: Look scary at thought. this. It's a hell of a close up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Too close to comfort. No, 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 it's fine. Come on in. So, um, also going on this morning, the Irish team headed off to the Algarve for their uh, week's training. Is it a week's training? Uh, five days, back on Friday, days. yeah. Okay. Uh, they did it last year. They all seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Get away from the cold and get away from you lot, I think is the point.
2: Yeah, get away from the bubble. or Create an even bigger bubble. They like the carton house bubble, but uh, it's even more protected out in Spain. They did it without Ty Byrne and Ian Henderson, though, which is uh, a bit of a concern ahead of the Six Nations. Um but I'm sure they'll get some decent work done over there. And the, I think it's about 17 degrees, so it's not too warm, it's but pleasant. it's warmer than it is here anyway.
0: The word on both Byrne and Henderson is they're certainly out for the first two games of the six nights. Yeah, Henderson
2: sounds more serious. Okay. Uh, Byrne is um, he injured his knee, I think he hyperstanded his knee on, on Saturday, about 67 minutes into the game. And, okay. and he's out for the t- first two games, certainly. And Henderson, they said several weeks, but I'd say looking like you know, the first three games anyway. Okay.
0: Uh, The other news I saw, by the way, over the weekend. So Simon Zebo scored his 12th uh, try in 18 games. He confirmed he did hear racist abuse in Belfast, if you were following that story. He said, um, and this may upset people who are over the age of 40, he said, it was an elderly man, 40 plus. Uh, That's why it annoyed me a bit. I'd be quite bulletproof with things like that. But if I was just to say nothing and accept it, I wouldn't be putting up much of a fight for myself. I don't want to come across as a weak character for my kids. I stand up for something if I believe in it. So... They were Simon Zebos' comments after the game at the weekend. Let's um, start with the action then. So Munster against Exeter on the Saturday. I know you were over in the UK for the two games there, Mm. uh, Rory. So um, nine points to seven, Eddie. Uh, Joey Carberry, 20 for 20 with the boot. Rob Baxter said afterwards, it was a bit like two bulls banging away at each other out there, wasn't it? Nobody really got any momentum. Uh, Van Grand said, definitely the toughest game of rugby since I came to Munster. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, it was a, in terms of attrition, it was a cracking game. Um, I thought that, really, at the end of the day, Baxter summed it up pretty well. I mean, both sides went at it pretty hot and heavy. Um, I think, though, Munster deserved to win based on the way they defended. I mean, if you can hold a team like Exeter scoreless uh, for 67 minutes, you deserve to win a game. Mm. And it wasn't that Exeter didn't have possession. Exeter had enough of ball to win that game, and they couldn't break Munster down. They don't tend to change the way they play, excellent. They're very attritional, but um, they failed to, to, to break Leinster down last year. But Munster gave one of those performances where they just weren't taking a step back. And I think Toy Burn again and Carberry, the, the, the two game changers for Munster this year, you know, that they didn't have last year. Toy, Toy Burn was superb with the breakdown. Um, and uh, I mean, O'Mahony was good as well, to be fair. And, and a lot of guys had good games, but Warren had a big impact at that. Um, he was a nightmare for Exeter. Plus, the fact then that Carberry played a really good game, kept his nerve, made his kicks. Um, you know, I just couldn't see, I just this felt Munster were going to get the other side of it as the game wore on. Once they kept defending, they could have had a defensive lapse and lost the game, but once they kept defending the way they were defending, I just felt they were going to wear wear extra down, and it was a fantastic victory against mm. a very good team.
0: Mm. What about Munster and attack, Eddie?
1: Well, I think again it was a day for defenses. I mean, like Exeter were very aggressive again, you know. But we don't, we haven't seen Munster attack really well yet this year against good teams, so it is an issue. Mm. But I think it's cup rugby there last Saturday, and you know you just say, look, whatever gets across the line. Um, I think there are other questions for them down the track, but I think they've got a very good draw as well. I think they got the peach, the peach of the draw there against Edinburgh, even though it is away. If you had to pick a team to play or that other seven, you'd pick Edinburgh. I think you know.
0: Yeah, Rory, I appreciate you were in the press box over at um, Welford Road watching this monster game on mute on a yeah. phone. So. Uh, we'll take that into account with your judgment on it, but give us your your
2: main take. It's, it's a strange way to watch a game, actually, because because I think you know I think when you're watching that either in Thoman Park or with the sound turned up, and you can get the kind of sense of the atmosphere and the tension. And talking to people who were there, um, they certainly talked a lot about the fact that there was just real tension in the air. And I wonder did that feed into the players? It just was a turnover fest, and they just lacked lacked the continuity. Certainly in that second half, every time one team seemed to get on top, they either gave it away, or there were there was so many poaches going on. And I think you have to recognise the achievement that Munster have made in getting out of a tough pool, particularly when they got themselves in a bit of a hole. Um, but if they are to push on further in the semi-final, which is the you know that's this is their third time getting to the knockouts in a row after a follow period, they've gotten to the semi-finals in the last two seasons. They have recruited well, despite losing Simon Zebo, and want, want to go on and win this tournament. It's a stated ambition that they have. Certainly, get to a final and then get, give themselves a chance. I think they'll need to be better than they have been over the course of the pool. We've seen really good glimpses yeah. of what they're capable of and Eddie's right the defense on Saturday the character they showed I mean we don't know we may never know how much pain Peter Manny played through on Saturday but he certainly looked like a guy who was fighting fighting his body at times. Um Carby's shown real resolve. There's a lot to like about the way they they got there but you would like to see them rise above a challenge like that to mm-hmm. kind of you know get out of the stranglehold that Exeter put them in. Um, and while you recognise the achievement of getting out and winning the game, which was a tough game to win, you just—I would like to see them seize the moment a little bit more and not kind of fall over the line a little bit. All that being said, like you know, when it they were on their own line within that clutch moment, Billy Holland getting up and winning that lineout was just a—you know—they won that big moment, which yeah. was the winning of the game in the end, and, and and I think that is to be admired, albeit you, with, you just wonder about their ability to get to that. Get to Newcastle and beat one of the top three or four teams, yeah. Based on their pool performances, which were a little bit inconsistent.
0: So that Billy Holland steal Eddie was crucial, and that came after one of Munster's few, very few periods in the Exeter Twenty Two, where I think Conway had kick, tried to kick and, and chase down the line hadn't worked out, and, and uh, Conor Murray had made maybe not the best decision. And in the first half, Munster had had about one percent of territory in the Exeter Twenty Two, so they were they were struggling to spend any time in the opposition. 22 and I guess I had the very lucky position I get to watch it in the studio this one with Shane Jennings and Matt Williams and they were they were looking at the Exeter defense for a lot of the game and so it was certainly you know it was shooting up and it was shooting up on the outside clearly Exeter didn't want Munster to get the ball out wide to Conway or to um Keith Earls so when when Munster are in that position when a team is shooting up on them and shooting up on the outside kind of that umbrella shaped defense what do you what do we want them to do how how do we want them to yeah. react in an ideal world
1: well, the first thing I would say is that um, if you look at the, the the terms of territory and possession, you know, Munster can get a little bit, I suppose, of of uh, I suppose energy, or the fact that they they had very little possession and very little territory. So, i, I they would have they would have had a, a difficulty scoring a lot of tries on Saturday against anybody with that sort of stats. They were mm-hmm. like less than forty percent in both. But having said that, if they're to break down defence, when defence comes up and in like that. Uh, there's two ways you can try and go around it and the ways go around is over the top which is never a good idea because it gets picked off or the hang time is so long that they cover it or you throw spot passes out the back off a second receiver or a first receiver so that means the player maker has to come out probably around second centre other than that and there's probably not much as far to what they should have done when the team is playing up and in is they should spread them out and go through them I mean what you do is you spread out your attack and that means the defences are spread out and you picks off shoulders in between them. And that's kind of down, that is in Munster's barrel, like that sort of capacity to play north-south rugby. But they they probably didn't adjust to that. They, they still tried to go around the corners at times and got turned back in. Would have been better off if they hadn't a way of going around the corner, which for me was a spot pass off the second receiver, they should have just taken up the guts. But to do that, they need to spread extra out more. Um, and that's probably where they could have made an adjustment. But again, you're working off of a Paltry amount of possession and territory.
0: Yeah.
1: Um they didn't get too many opportunities. And I think, yeah, Rory's right that you'd like to see them think their way through a game a bit. Um they will teams will now take a leaf out of that. If I was playing Monster next week, I would be inclined to run a similar defensive pattern against them and see could they figure a way out of it because they did struggle. But I, I will I, I would the overarching thing for me is that they didn't have a lot of ball anyway. I mean they did well to hold Exeter to one one score when the Exeter had 60, 60, over 60% possession yeah. and over 60% territory. So you have to that's part of the conversation. But I do think it's the one part of our game yet. We've yet to see them, um, I suppose, pick teams apart strategically. They're capable of running over teams, but you won't run over Exeter um, and you won't run over the big teams. And that's their next challenge is to change their attack to the point where they can pick teams apart by just taking them through phases and then making the line break to score. We, we see Leinster do it a lot all the time.
2: I think it should be noted as well, extra may not be European power as such and they, they may not have, you know, they've only got the knockout stages once but I think they're better than two or three of the teams that made the last eight. They somehow haven't been able to manage the yeah. pool stages, they haven't figured out the bonus points or whatever you need to get over the line. One of these years they will and I think they'll go on a proper run. I think they are genuinely one of the top six teams in Europe probably they're probably better than Ulster and Edinburgh anyway, they just ended up in a pool at Munster and kind of screwed up over and Cast. You know, it's an achievement to knock them out. They've taken a scalp in in Exeter, it's not really seen that way because we've we've been very down on the English clubs, but that is the second best team in England um, at least that they've taken out of the equation. They've beaten the French champions as well and you know, Leinster, Leinster beating Exeter last year was a bit of a bit of a springboard, even true. though it was pretty yeah. ugly at the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, Exeter have been pretty unfortunate to come across Leinster and Munster as well.
0: No, it's true. Um, how they mucked up at home to Gloucester, I'm sure they're wondering about Exeter yeah. as well. Yeah. So, Edinburgh White then, Eddie. Uh, Richard Cockrell has gone in there and um, done a job to much acclaim. Their second in conference being the Pro 14, albeit 19 points behind Leinster. Um Grant Gilchrist was telling a story about when Cockrell arrived and he came up to him in pre-season 27. He said, he came up to me, he said he'd heard a lot of really good things about me. And then he said he'd watched me the previous season and he said he didn't know what the fuss was about. Uh, which <laughs> is Man Management 101, I would think, from Richard Cockrell. So um, what has he done at Edinburgh over the last couple of seasons?
1: Well, I think what you see from Cockrell is what we used to see from Le- from Leicester when he played there, when he was in the middle of the front row in Leicester. Um, it, it, it's very pragmatic rugby Um, they play like I've noticed they play a style of rugby that suits Cocker. if he was playing at hooker you could see them playing like that Mm. Um, it's all about uh, the nuts and bolts up front you know earning the right to go wide uh, good set piece uh, good maul good at the breakdown very aggressive and you know he's put his stamp on the team and it's working for them you know I mean um, probably Edinburgh as a team with similar players that have often been I suppose they lacked a the sense of direction. They were soft touches, and it that hard edge is coming to them now. And I think, to be fair, to Cockrell, that's kind of that's his MO. You know, he's yeah. a hard, he's a hard-nut hooker. He played like a hard man. He coached like a hard man. And what just his quote there is, is not a, it's not a, an arm around uh, the shoulder huh. uh, comment. So it's, it's six inches lower with letters <laughs> attached. So yeah, like. Um, yeah, he, he's that's the kind of. So I think he's got his stamp on on Edinburgh, and he's getting the most out of them. I don't. I, I can't see them being European champions, and I can't even see them get the semi final. I think it's you know Munster will be favourites, even though they're in Edinburgh. But you have to take, give credit to to um, to them for bringing it where they are. They, I mean, they weren't mapped for the last time they were mapped in Europe was was. Um, when, when uh, Ulster beat them, you yeah. know, um, in the, uh, and that was Ulster's year when they got to the final against Leinster. Brian McLaughlin was coach. They beat Munster and home park. So that was the last time, and uh, Mick Bradley was coaching Edinburgh. That's the last time they were kind of mapped really. Yeah. Um, so they're back again, but I think. They might have hit their ceiling now i, I okay. really do i don't know if they have the horses to beat munster but yeah you know credit where credit is you know, to he's 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 pretty stamping that team and they wear it well at the moment
0: if um, munster did have to go away in the quarterfinals and you offer them a choice of saracens Racing, hmm. leinster it's fairly obvious which one they would take um there were eleven thousand at Murrayfield for the montpellier game it gets completely lost in the stadium cockerel saying we want 30 40 50 000 there for the quarterfinal I mean, most of them could be Munster supporters, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's kind of where good games go to die at Murrayfield, especially yeah. at club level. And But it, it's where Irish teams have gone and perished in, in the past. Leinster famously, a few times, have lost big European games. I remember Munster under Rob Penny going over there and losing the game. They should never have lost to an, uh, for, to an Edinburgh team that uh, should never have beaten them. There is a capacity. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonably big big city. It's a capital city club. It has more, pretty tradition than, than Glasgow Warriors, who get bigger gates than them. Mm. There is a catchment there, and it you know it would be good for the Pro 14 and for, you know, Scottish rugby to get more bums on seats behind a team like Edinburgh because there's only two of them, and you know it would be it would be a, a healthy to see a bit of growth there. And Munster will bring a big crowd over. I think a lot of people will fancy a weekend in Edinburgh. Um, it's a pretty easy place to get to as yeah. well so I think there's capacity for a de- reasonably sized crowd but even still it's a sixty seventy thousand 70000 Cedar Stadium so it's, it just does get swallowed up and yeah. it's just there's a running track it's, it's not a great atmosphere and Munster often thrive on the crowd often thrive, thrive on the occasion they just need to be professional get, they, they, if they they can beat Edinburgh they beat Edinburgh all the time in, in the Pro 14 they are a better team yeah. particularly their first 23 yeah. um, it's a very much you're right like it's the most favourable draw they could have got and yeah. They should be going to a semi-final. Okay, um, We are streaming on Facebook,
0: by the way, YouTube and Periscope, as well as going out on the radio later on this evening, so get your Heineken star comments in and you can win yourself some off-the-ball branded uh, Heineken prizes, including a signed uh, rugby ball. So, you were at Welford Road, Rory, and you were at the Rico Arena yesterday. Wasps 19, Leinster 37. Uh, die Young with the quote of the weekend, where he said you've got to feel sorry for them when Jack Conan unfortunately doesn't play and they have to put up with Sean O'Brien. You really have to feel for them. Um, and he talked, you know, at length about how highly he raced this Leinster team. Uh, Cronin twice, six tries in six games. Gary Ringrose, Noel Reid tried at the end. On that point, Young was saying, like, look at the variety in the way they score tries. They
2: can do it any way, which way they want. Um, what did you make of it? A uh, bit of a non-event. Yeah. Um, I mean, they said there were sixteen thousand in the Ricoh. It didn't look that, like it wasn't a bad crowd, but it, you know, for considering Wasp for out, but it didn't. Feel like a big event. The pool stages have pretty much come to a conclusion. We were just—it was basically moving the deck chairs at that stage. Did feel like the forgotten games of the weekend. Yeah, and I think EPCR have to do have to take a bit of a look at how, you know, how uncompetitive the last weekend was. I know Extra Munster was was a proper occasion, but most of the teams had already qualified. You know, it isn't great that tenor teams were already out before the last weekend of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Leinster went over, did the job. I mean, Dai Young, I I just like you—you've all black number ten. You've about four or five England internationals in your team. Yeah. Like. Dara on so, YouTube as well. What do you think in the comments,
0: given they've just signed Fekatoa and Tamaga Allen as well?
2: There's something wrong in WASPs, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a cultural issue there. They. They're not the sum of their parts. They're, like, there's no way that team should be getting hammered routinely by Leinster. Yeah. Um, no wins across the pool. No. And th- three years ago, they, they, they hammered Leinster, and they were, you know, they were all singing, all dancing. They looked really, really good. Mm. There's been, you know, lots of stuff behind the scenes. The move to Coventry hasn't been followed through with a kind of training facility. I think players feel there was broken promises. A number of leaving, including Eddie Daly, who came to their academy, really bad sign. It looks like he's going to Saracens. Yeah. Just there's a lot of discord there. But you know, Leinster fielded a team. Um, of 14 Irish qualified players and one who'll be Irish qualified by the end of the year. These were not recruits from overseas. It's not like they've gone out and spent big. Like you know, they're paying their players well. Sure. But they are Irish internationals. Most of them are homegrown. I don't think Di Young can plead the poor mouth. You know, he's as you say, he's just signed Fakatowa. So they just didn't like you know, Exeter at least showed up. You know, they, they got knocked out at the end. Yeah. but Wasp didn't contribute anything to this tournament over the course of six games, which is you know they got to be. They're a big spending club. They're a big club. They've won this tournament twice. They've got to be better. But for Leinster, went over did the job without yeah. Johnny Sexton for the last two rounds. They'll be disappointed that the loss in Toulouse ultimately cost them a, a home semi-final as well as a home quarter-final. Yeah. Um, but even if they do have to, if they do get over the Ulster ta- task and have to go to France, they'll they'll be pretty confident that they can get that job done as well.
0: Eddie, it was striking. Maybe it's when you come off the back of watching the Munster Exeter game, which of course is entirely a different game. But you know that that first fifteen, twenty, twenty-five minutes, uh, Leinster just. Um, the intensity, the pace they bring to their play—they kind of own the ball, you know. Good breakdown works into very quick, and they can just fizz the ball back across the pitch at a pace uh, and with accuracy that other teams find very hard to live with, and certainly very few teams can mimic. Um, and that kind of set the tone for the afternoon.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with Rory that Wash didn't bring much to the party right. there. A team playing below the what they should be playing at. They've they've plenty of good players, but there's a there's a sense as well about Leinster that uh, how would you put it? The, at the moment, there's a thing when you play Leinster. There's an inevitability about when they get the ball, you're going to end up kicking it off the halfway line at some point. You know, you can it might take 30 phases, it might take 10, mm. but they're going to score unless something they drop a ball. You you rarely get it back unless they make a mistake. So they have this capacity to hold on to the ball and wear you down and you're right they can do it by running over you, running around you, running through you. They just have all all the the tricks in their bag and they're supremely confident knowing themselves. They, like they never they never change their tempo. You don't you don't see but like suddenly they up the tempo or, or they down the tempo. It's, they just play at a pace that you can't contain yeah. them. And I I think that like it, it looked like a training run for the first 20 minutes. They were just you know, find you know get get out of your half, win possession, find field position, where Wasps down, score, back to halfway. Mm. And I think at halftime, Wasps came out and, and played rather than get them... like they were looking like a forty-pointer at home in front of their own fans. Mm. And they came out and played a bit, but mm. then you never thought Lens to run any doubt. Mm. And um, and then you have someone like Keen Healy comes off the bench. You know they, they have a very good squad. And We've been saying that they it's a very very good club side.
0: Yeah. But
1: to be fair, they are playing like comfortably within themselves and still winning comfortably. Mm. They're not really... It's very hard to stretch. Very hard to stretch Leinster. Mm. Now, you know, and Waston were getting into the tournament anyway, so I, I didn't think last Sunday was going, or yesterday was going to be uh, something that was going to discommodel Leinster anyway. But I think they're now uh, into the business end of it. Mm. Um, I think they'll be happy enough taking Ulster to, to Dublin. And I think they'll still be favourites for the tournament. I think, yeah, and no, wrestling are, are dangerous and I think Sars are dangerous. But... I just say Leinster, they've done it now already. Again, they're they're right where they want to be, and um, I just think, yeah, they're going to be in the, they're going to be in the semi final, and after that, it's 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 you never know. But who's back against them? Yeah. But for good reason, for good reason, they're they're a bloody good side. They're well organised. They're well coached. They're oozing with confidence, and there's a lot of competition to get on that team. That's what keeps guys focused.
0: It's true. Um if you're interested. Keane Healy did some very interesting interviews in the build-up to yesterday's game. People can check him out in the Sunday papers. He was talking about how he really was pretty much done. The insurance papers were on the table ready to be signed and Joe Schmidt gave him a call and urged him to rethink things a couple of years ago. So uh, He seems to be in a good place now, that's for sure. We saw his break for the Noel read try. Sean O'Brien was back
2: unexpectedly, so he played 56 minutes at number eight. How did he look? He looked very good for the first half an hour and then looked a little bit gassed after that and, and uh, Nathan Hughes went through him for one of Wasp's tries, which is very uncharacteristic, but I think probably forgivable given the fact that he hasn't played since November and, and hadn't probably played an awful lot before then either. So you know he's he's gotten a good body of work under his belt. Joe Schmidt is this, you know, as far as we know, is he hasn't released him for the Scarlets game that this weekend. He's brought him okay. to Portugal, presumably with an eye for him to be involved in some capacity next weekend. I, I can't see him forcing Josh van Vanderflier out of the team just because Vanderflier is playing well and he's very fit. Yeah. But you know what? A, what an impact sub to bring on if, if you do. Um, Henshaw also came back and played really, really well. Didn't look like he'd any ill effects once again. Just it's it's twice now he's to, done that. Yeah. 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 So he'll he comes very much into the frame for for the Six Nations game. So. Yeah, I mean to be able to bring those two back for this game was just was great. And yeah, Jack Conan picked up a shoulder injury, wasn't able to play. He was in Wasp, or he was in uh, Coventry, but wasn't able to play. But yeah. to be able to bring jo- uh, Sean O'Brien and then Max Deegan onto the bench, and then Deegan played a role in that uh, null re- retry as well. So yeah, um, yeah, it was all pretty positive for Leinster.
0: So um, Welford Road then, Ulster 13 points to nil down. It
2: seemed to be a horror first half. Yeah, what was going wrong? They were li- well, if. You, they were losing the collisions. They were losing their line out, Their scrum was under pressure, and Billy Burns looked like he was carrying the calf injury that stopped him from kicking and wasn't really able to get himself involved in the game. And I think they missed a touch with a with a kick to the corner with Addison. Um, everything was going wrong. Right. For, for, for really, I mean, it was worrying to see Rory Best kind of go so wobbly with the Six Nations in mind. Ian Henderson was one of the few plus points. He's now being ruled out. But they lost Cotia after half an hour. But they got into the dressing room. They. McFarland said they just talked about the breakdown at halftime and and their're work in the tackle area they'd gone 10 nil down they went 13 nil down just after half time but they started getting a bit of momentum they brought John Cooney on mm-hmm. and he just while Dave Shannon didn't play badly to, with any to any um at all Cooney just came on and just there was a sense of calm throughout the team and they just started making good decisions the ball was quicker he was snappier to the breakdown he was getting the ball out and suddenly Leicester were on the back foot, having been quite good without being ex- excellent for the first 50 minutes. And you know they got Balakoon, Stockdale. You know have that ability to beat men in the wide channels. Their their mall went forward. They got the try, and then quickly afterwards, Burns, probably the only real input that he had into the game. A lovely chip for Balakoon to go through, and suddenly, you know Cooney nails the touchline conversion to 14-13 up. And they defended okay. really well to, to get home. So they were much better against Racing. They, I think, you know, before the start of the season, no one would have backed them to get into the quarterfinal. It's a great achievement. McFarland really, is, yeah. really needs, a, deserves a lot of credit for it. Probably wasn't as good a pool as it looked on paper, but at the same time, they got there. And it's a, whatever happens against Leicester in the quarterfinal, they they have overperformed to get to where they are. I think, and it's a, that for all that they didn't play well on Saturday, it's it's still a good achievement to get there.
0: Nobody was predicting predicting um, was scoring three tries in six games oh. before the season. Um, the likes of O'Sullivan, Marty Moore, Jordy Murphy, Will Addison, all the recruitment is starting to prove a big success as well. And that is difficult to predict before the start of the season.
2: Absolutely. And it's a real blend. I mean, there's only, I think it was five homegrown Ulster players in the starting 15. that four Irish qualified players from abroad, I think, four from Leinster um, and then Marcel Cossier in there as well. So they've blended it together, but it's the players all seem to be buying in you know yeah. they, they may not be from ulster, but they're they're playing for the jersey they're playing for McFarland who came in you know midway through the pre season you know Simon needs to be took some pre season so yeah. you know that was a it was a disjointed approach to the season. It was interesting. Jar Payne was sitting behind us, and he was you know a very cool clam collected character in my experience, and he was going absolutely mental in the coaches' box throughout the second half you know they there's just a sense that there's a collective there now mm. they've come through their horrible year that they had a year ago they were facing into the, just everything that was going to happen in the next couple of months and it's just a very different place now
0: Is this the same Gerard Payne who was grinning with his hands behind his head with about very four, four minutes to go in yeah. Belfast? Yeah, yeah this
2: was a much different persona but it was uh, it was interesting to see those English grounds are very tight you get the, much closer to the press They're great than, yeah, they're, they're, like they're brilliant yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you make of this one Eddie?
1: Yeah I thought I was worried for Ulster uh, comes to half time particularly when Leicester scored I thought you know, this is really going to test them out. But mm. Credit you credit, was a tremendously good game of rugby. It was very intense, but they held their nerve. And I think once I felt once they got the first score, if they could just stick, keep their foot on the pedal, they'd, they'd nick it. But it was very tight. And let's be honest, Leicester are not a great team. They, they look pretty, times look pretty clueless what they were at. Um, They're, you know, they're not a bad team, but they, they just seem like they're they're brittle as well. If you can get in under their skin at all, they, they just kind of, don't Believe they can win, they've lost a lot of games this year, so but it took well, Ulster a while to, to make that happen. But credit where credit was due, they did. And yeah, once they got their nose in front, I just felt they were gonna I couldn't see them losing it, they were gonna hang in there. It was one of those moments if if Ulster had had lost some the weekend, particularly if, if Leicester had come back, it would have it could have derailed their season. So there was a lot of chips on the table in the last 10 minutes, and I just mm. felt the way the ball was breaking for them as well, the way they were hunting uh, in defense, that they were going to get it done. But it's great for them, I think. it it draws a line in the sand for the season and they just focus now on, on you know, having a crack against Leinster. Nobody expects them to win in Dublin and, and just focus on getting into the playoffs and, and the Pro 14. Like the, It just changed the whole, I suppose, the whole perspective on the season, that win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, there is, I mean, there is something fantastically uh, funny about the fact that the day after Brexit kicks in, there will be up to 13,000 Ulster fans coming down to Dublin. Um, so they're, they're pushing for, I think, half past five kickoff, if they can, on the Saturday, but all of that remains to be seen, and I'm sure television will have it say. Leo Cullen referenced the Thoman Park win for Ulster a couple of years ago now, a good few years ago now, to be fair. Um, I look, it's very hard to see anything beyond Leinster winning at home. As things shape up, the most likely scenario, if we are to really get ahead of ourselves here, is Saracen's at home to Munster. And I don't know who you think is going to come out on top between Racing and Toulouse, but let's say for a moment it's Racing, Racing at home to Leinster. So two away semi-finals
2: for the Irish provinces, Rory. Yeah, I think like, I've been pretty confident all season that that would be the final four. That you know, Racing, Toulouse could rattle Racing, but yeah. Racing have, you know at their best, they're a bit fast and loose this season, but at their best they're still in that top four teams. You know, they're quite... It's kind of almost a closed shop with that four, those four teams, and I, I, don't see anyone breaking into it. Apologies, um, quick tangent. A
0: few people wondering this. For instance, Colin McCullough. Uh, to lose, did they choose Racing over Leinster in that second half? So
2: yes. I, I wasn't watching it, but from from listening to people on social media and other people who who were watching it, it sounds like they pulled up. They started taking their tra- right. you know their try threats off. Few knock ons. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like that's that's just clever. You know, like, it, why go to Dublin to take on the champions when you could go up the road yeah, yeah. And I'm much more comfortable? Um, I don't really have much uh, problem with that. Anyway, um, sorry. Yeah, and but like they'll probably have They'll give it a good shot against Racing. Yeah. Um, Ulster will come down to seven uh, former Leinster players or people who grew up in. Leinster and their team—they're going to have a lot of pride on the line. Some of them will, will have a chip on their shoulder. Um, it could be Rory Best last season. We don't know yet, but you know, th- there's, a, there's a cause there. They'll give. They'll give Leinster a real go. I don't think they're good enough to beat them, but I think it'll be tighter than the 17-point spread that's out there. Munster will be confident to going across. So yeah, two-way semi-finals on the cards. Uh, unless Glasgow upset the apple cart with Saracens and they were tight for about 60 minutes on mm. uh, on Saturday or on, yeah, Saturday. but there is, there is a, I suppose a familiarity there. They've played in a quarter-final quite recently and they played twice this season. Yeah. Um, I think Leinster won't fear going to Paris or Bordeaux or wherever that game is on. Even though Racing's best performance in the last couple of years came in that semi against Munster last year, Leinster's a very different proposition and Munster didn't show up that day. Mm. Saracens away is a very difficult task if Munster were to get there but... It's not exactly, like Saracens don't have a huge support. It's not like going away to play them is going to be, like Saracens were just as good in the Viva Stadium two years ago. Where like, will they play that Saracens? Hard to know, hard to know. That could be anywhere from Milton Keynes to Wembley, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- so... It'd be interesting uh, to see if they want an artificial pitch or not. Yeah, it's, do- but it's doable, I think. You know, But you, like, I think Leinster still look like the stronger of the two teams to make it, but Munster's 23 is, a, is, is a capable on its day of beating on it. They're certainly better set up to beat Saracens. Um, than they were two years David, ago when they yeah. played them. At the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie, do you see it as Saracens Munster and Racing Leinster?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, you never know; it's cup rugby, yeah. but I think if you're, you know, if you're trying to be logical about it, that's where it should fall. And I still think they're two tough away games. I, I still think we could have a, a we could have a, a European final without our, any Irish teams in it. Like it could go against us. Mm. Very hard to win away from home in a semi final. Um, and I think Saracens. Um watching him again on the weekend. They basically, they they miss Farrell badly. He was gone on the weekend. They missed him badly, but they still got the job done. I think if Farrell is playing, they're, they're, they're a really good outfit. Um, and I still think Rassing ran a mission. You know, they've been in a few finals. Jackie Lorenzetti once he wants, he were, wants a European trophy. Um, and they, they're playing kind of like, they're playing like a French team who are on a mission, which is dangerous. So I think we I think we'll get to I think Munster and Leinster will get to the semi-final, but I'm not sure that they might get to the final. The winning those away, but it would be somehow end of the season if they both <laughs> Munster and Leinster yeah. in the European final. But it, there is a waning at the moment of, of of the influence of France and England in the tournament over the last few years. That pro 14 teams are getting more of a toehold in the quarterfinals, and you know you can you can miss that by saying oh well last year it was a. It was a uh, Leinster and French, uh, Irish and a French team. Two years ago, it was two French teams, or you know, it was Saracens and a French team. But if you look at the quarterfinal spread, mm. there was one year there where there was no one from the Pro 14 in the quarterfinal. Mm. Uh, that's changed in the last few years. We've had a presence there now. In fairness, the Irish teams been the ones that have been making the biggest impact. But Glasgow have come in now, Edinburgh are in as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it, there's more to the Pro 14 having a footprint in the final eight of the of Europe. And this is the biggest one yet, five out of eight, which mm. is a big one. Mm. But um, still in all, that's no guarantee any pro fourteen teams will get to the final. But yeah, I it's going to, I, I agree with Rory's summation of it there. I think that's pretty much where it's going to be at.
0: Okay. Uh, Peter is uh, watching in I know Eddie will appreciate this for me Leinster like the New England Patriots of club rugby you always get the feeling the result is a foregone conclusion which is a powerful thing for both Leinster themselves and the fear factor it puts into opponents as Pete yeah are you bleary eyed up late last night watching the Patriots was yeah watched enough for though man it was unreal a coaching master class I'm being reliably told yeah from both
1: coaches in fairness right. you know it was really top end stuff and you you, you thought the, you thought the Patriots had locked it up and then you know Kansas go down and they, they tie it up and then, but I think once 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 the Patriots won the toss and took the football, I I just felt bad for Kansas that were going to go down and get it done, um, but it was a, it was great football in it. But the big controversy over the weekend is the, the really bad call in, yeah. in the other playoff game, which is amazing because, like you think we tend to be harsh on rugby and referees here, but you think the NFL is the greatest thing ever. They had one of the worst calls ever. That's mm-hmm. probably costing New Orleans Saints a place in the Super Bowl. So that's that's the controversy today. But I thought there were two great games. I really enjoyed them. But I paid the price this morning when I woke up. I was uh, leery eyed.
0: <laughs> I think the league called the Saints afterwards almost immediately to apologise for the um, for the mistake. So who's your pick for the Super Bowl then?
1: Um, yeah, I I think the, I'd still go with the Patriots. I think uh, LA were lucky to get there, and they'll be they'll be happy to get there. And I think Belichick with two weeks prepare. I would look out, you know. I think there aren't like again. They just seem to keep wanting to set records, and they're in a position to set another one now. So I think the Patriots. Mm. But um, had it been the New Orleans Saints, I wouldn't have been as confident. Right.
0: Did you borrow much from NFL in your coaching career in rugby?
1: Yeah, lots of different ways, you know, about um, communication systems, um, you know, breaking stuff down on defense, like uh, going down into micro, like uh, on certain situations where players have not understand exactly what the priority is right now, this moment. Uh, and it's not something else, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, in terms of technique tactical, the other one is, is, is um, they're brilliant at managing the clock, which we've had to figure out in rugby. I haven't managed to figure out how to manage the clock in rugby mm. uh, because you see teams like, you know, waste time in the last two or three minutes of the game where they need to keep the ball in play or teams keeping it in play, they need to get it out of play. You see all this kind of lack of understanding. You see how last night in that game with. Um, you Know the, the Patriots take the lead literally with, with like 40 seconds on the clock, and and uh, you know, Kansas drive it down and we'll manage the clock perfectly in that 40 seconds to, mm. to tie the game. Like, we they do that in basketball as well. We, we don't we haven't got to that point yet in rugby, right. and it and you still see teams kind of flitter away time at the end of the game that's very important to them. Like, it might, they might make a conversion or the kicker spins a minute making a conversion, it doesn't matter. They've got to get back to halfway, get the ball and try and score a try. Mm. And he runs a minute off the clock, making sure he curves the ball inside the post for two points. It doesn't matter, it's a try is important. Mm. It's just funny, like you see those situations that they wouldn't go unnoticed in, in American sports. They're more, more aligned to that.
0: Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, before we go Connacht beat Bordeaux 33 points to 27 they were 8 points down with 10 minutes to go so they're going to have sail away in the Challenge Cup quarterfinal there was a period where it looked like we are going to have a repeat of all the pool stages in the Champions Cup it's been averted I'd say they're quite pleased it's happened oh yeah, definitely. Um, it would have been a big talking point but Connacht will have sail away again
2: just keeps the momentum going for Connacht you know I mean this hasn't been a priority this tournament he's rotated his squad quite heavily through it he's given a couple of debuts in it he's used it to rest players for the Pro 14 it's quite clear that the Pro 14 is their main priority, but having a quarter final, albeit away from home and in, in Stockport, is something to look forward to for the players. You know, the, there is a good number of them going off to um, international camp now. Delane is looking like he's probably going to be on the bench for England, um, which is another kind of mm. yeah, bit of progress for them because you know the more numbers they get, the better. And uh, yeah, to go to Bordeaux and, and get that result was a really, really impressive result, and, and it's uh, to do that while rotating their squad over the course is is pretty good. I say they'll back themselves. I mean, sale of a good, strong team, and they did a number on them over there. But in a quarter final, the way they're playing with the the kind of threats that they offered, they'll uh, they have a chance to keep the whole uh, dream of a couple of Irish teams getting yeah. to to Newcastle alive. So, uh, well, European rugby is parked
0: for the time being. Six Nations is here. Rory O'Connor from the Irish Independent and Eddie O'Sullivan. Thanks, lads. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Cheers. Monday night rugby on Off the Ball.